following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. How you feeling, huh? Are you, you that took spring break trips, are you glad to be home? Oh, God. You still rather be there? Well, I always love home. About the third day, I'm missing my bed so bad, and I want to get home. I don't care how nice a bed I'm sleeping on, wherever I am, I want my bed, and I want Patty's cooking, and I want my house. That's just what I want. It's in that order. Good to see all of you today. It really is, and we're honored. Now, this, this men's night we're going to have on the 5th of April, Darren Roberts is a professor at the University of Texas, and we'll tell you more about him. He's a member of our church. He's a first service member. He comes, and his wife and he, they sit over here. They're very great people. He's out of Mount Pleasant, Texas. His dad and mom are pastors in Mount Pleasant. He's a great young man. He's had TED Talks. The guy is pretty sharp. Went to Harvard, got a law degree. And uh, he's going to be talking to us, and he's got some things to say. You need to sign up for the men's Friday night thing, and besides that, you get to eat Louie's barbecue. And I'm going to be here, and if you don't come, I'll eat your plate also, all right? <laughs> hey, we're delighted to have you, and it, it is an honor to be he- headed to the Easter season. But today's a very special day. It really is. It's a, it's a bittersweet day, uh, bitter because of what's going to happen, and sweet because of how much we have enjoyed this precious family. Reed and J.C. came to us four years ago, and uh, they, uh, they wanted to go to work here. They wanted to go to work. They were like the 11th hour people in Matthew 20 that wanted to go to work in the vineyard, and nobody had asked them. And so we asked them to come, and they came, and they have been nothing short of a massive blessing to this congregation, a massive blessing to this congregation. And my... My little Windsor came in the office today, Reed. He said this. I hadn't told the first second, sir. He said, Bo, he said, Zach's leaving. My best friend, Zach and Jack are their kids, said, Zach's leaving. He said, but Bo, you know, with the technology that we have, he used that word. With the technology we have, we can, we can, just play, we can play Fortnite, hit there, him there and me here. I said, oh, God, Brad and Cass, get ready. Reed and JC, get ready. You're going to have some Fortniters at night what do you call it? Skyping one another? What's it called? Dear Jesus, I don't, I don't understand it, but my, my eight-year-old boy gets it. His 10-year-old boy gets it, but I don't get it. I, I, I miss that generation. But what a joy to have Reed with us and JC with us. It's been such an honor to have them, and they've never dishonored this house, and they've never dishonored their name, and they've never dishonored the name of the Lord. And I'm so happy that he spent time here, and he's going back to the church of his, of his life the one that he was raised in. He'll be the fourth pastor in 65 years there. So he'll probably last there about another 40 years. He probably will. And they will be blessed with a good pastor, a man of God that loves them and loves the word and loves the God of the word. Would you stand to your feet as we bring him one more time and they can deliver his final sermon here today. Reed, come on, buddy. Come on. Be good. Be good. Be good. Be good. Be good. I'm tired of crying. Please sit down. That's all I've done all day. It's a big baby up here. 
I do want to say hello to some special friends. Uh, Rob and Sharon, where did you guys land? There you are in the back. Those are my good friends, Rob and Sharon. Can we give it up for them? Sharon. Sharon come out here for years and it takes a lot to make this look good. And she did it. She pulled that off. And so uh, I love them so much. I had the honor. It was one of my greatest highlights in ministry here in Austin was getting to marry that sweet couple. And then uh, my in-laws are here. Clay and Tina, would you please stand? And their friends, Toby and Karen, are visiting. Can y'all stand as well? Yeah. Thank y'all for being here. Okay. All right. You know, 2012, uh, God speaks to us in many ways. Four of the predominant ways that he speaks to us is through prayer, through the Bible, through other believers, and through circumstances. And when he aligns all of those together, it's like a big megaphone to his mouth saying, this is what I want you to do. And he spoke very clearly to me in 2012 to move to Austin. And our family packed all of our belongings, moved from Snyder to Austin. And uh, we were going to plant a church. Well, that didn't work out the way we thought it was. We didn't plant a church. We actually took over an existing dying church. We were trying to revive it and bring life to a church that was, that was nearly dead. Pastor Casey and some others were part of that team. And after a year of really giving ourselves to that effort, um, we didn't revive it. We just helped it to die better. I don't know if you can die well. And um, I remember laying in bed and I remember asking God, why? Why would you speak so clearly for me to move here to take over a church that we ultimately couldn't, couldn't help sustain or survive? And he didn't say anything at that time. So we needed a job, and I didn't know where I was supposed to go. Another church in town was pursuing us, and we didn't feel like that was a great fit for us. And in the meantime, I was just coming to church here like I was attending church at Christian Life Austin. Isn't this a great place to just come to church? Come on. So we were just coming here just because we love this place. And then my uncle, Pastor Rex, said, son, have you ever thought about working here? And I didn't know if he was kidding or not. And I was actually on my way to my in-laws that night. And I called him from the road and I said, were you serious about that? Because I'm real interested. And there were some problems with that. Um, it, it wasn't just seamless. I, I think there was the, the fear of nepotism, obviously, just showing favoritism to a nephew. And, and there was the money issue, hiring another full-time staffer. And I told him, I said, well, when we left the church, the, the church had some money in, in like the in, in the treasury, and they just conveyed that with me. It wasn't much, but it was, an, it was a little bit of money just to help me get back on my feet. I said, what if I gave that to Christian Life Austin and you paid my salary through that? And he said, you're hired. And so <laughs> I said, when the money runs out, you can let me go, or maybe I can earn a job here. And that was four years ago. And uh, I now know why God called me to Austin. It wasn't for that church plant. It was for this church. This has been the best four years of our lives. Um, we love this place. We love you. I love my uncle. He was my uncle 
uh, four years ago. He's my pastor, my forever pastor today. I cannot wait to call him about once a week and say, what do I do with these people? Like, you know, <laughs> how do you handle this situation? Uh, the staff here, they're, they're not just coworkers. They're my best friends. And I, I just, I love you so much. Um, pastor Brad kicked off our series world war me last Sunday. And I thought it, he did a phenomenal job, probably his best sermon or one of the best I've ever heard. But it got me thinking about the last time I felt like my body was at war with itself. In January of 2011, I got to go on an international mission trip to Bolivia. If you've never been on an international mission trip, I encourage you to, to sign up. Come to the info meeting for the Africa New Life. It will change your life. Uh, you think you're going to do mission work. You think you're going to do ministry. No, what happens is ministry gets done to you. You go and serve people and then... There's something about international missions. It's one of the best things I've ever done in my life. I highly recommend anybody do it. But anyway, we went with Compassion International, uh, which is a great uh, child sponsorship organization. And so we get there and they said two things. Don't drink the water. Don't eat the fruit. Don't drink the water. Don't eat the fruit. Got it. So before we got started on the mission field and, and really serving the people of Bolivia, um, the, the director who was with us from Compassion took us to a restaurant that was pretty nice, and he ordered a salad with fruit on it. And I thought, okay, well, if he's having this, and of course he's been to Bolivia before, then certainly I could probably have some fruit. Now, something you may not know about me, I absolutely love passion fruit. I don't know what a passion fruit looks like. It could look like a banana or a kumquat. I have no idea, but I love the taste the passion fruit, passion fruit candy, passion fruit ice cream, passion fruit smoothies. If they made a passion fruit McNugget, I might be in heaven. So I don't, I just love passion fruit. And they had a passion fruit smoothie. I said, I'll take one of those, please. And it was delectable. It was so good. One of the best things I've ever tasted. We get through the week. And by the way, let me just tell you one quick story that happened while we were there. We went to a home uh, that, that had kids that were sponsored. So you say, well, I sponsor a kid. What does that look like? This home, this home, home was five feet by five feet by five feet. I'm six foot two. So I'm in this home. Seven people lived in this room. Two parents slept on a, on a twin mattress and five kids slept on uneven concrete. So when you say, well, how can I get involved in the world? We'll spend $38 a month and give to Compassion International. Help those kids get some freedom. Amen. Anyway, I'll get off that little soapbox. That wasn't even in my notes. That one's for free. So... So the end of, end of the trip, and we had a couple of hours before our plane took off for Miami, and uh, he said, is there anything in Bolivia you want to see? I said, I want to see another one of those passion fruit smoothies. And so he goes, okay. So we went back to the restaurant just for me to get another smoothie, and that one got me. That one got, I don't know what was in it. Uh, it, it was bad. I, I got so violently ill. I swallowed a penny when I was seven. I found that penny at 30. I found it. Like it, it was so sick. And I got on a plane for nine and a half hours, nine and a half hours. And I'm a bigger boy, but I had two bigger, bigger boys next to me, like on either And they were taking up the armrests. I'm like just sitting in the middle like this and I'm getting hot and I'm trying to like work that air conditioning thing at the top of the plane. I'm just like, then I go to the bathroom, and I, I'm not exaggerating. I spent more time in the restroom of the airplane. You know, those are so comfortable anyway. More than I did in my seat. I was sick for 11 days. 11 days, things were, yeah, reappearing. And 11, my wife was like, you're, you're, you've got a worm. You've got parasites. Or, you're going to die. I'm like, thanks for the support. I was, I was so sick. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us there's something actually more dangerous than eating or drinking something that's bad, and that's speaking something that's bad. Listen to this, Matthew 15, 11, he says, what goes into someone's mouth 
That passion fruit smoothie does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. And today, if we're going to win World War Me, we've got to figure out how to control this thing. This thing is powerful. You realize that you could say something to me today that would completely bless me for the whole week. And conversely, you could say something to me today that would completely destroy me. And I could do the same to you. James 3 is one of the most complete texts on the tongue. And I want to show it to you this morning. James 3, beginning in verse 3, it says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Okay? If you've ever seen a horse, horses are powerful creatures. That's where we get the term horse power. They're powerful creatures. And they get this 100-pound jockey that's got these reins. And he's controlling this massive animal with a 5-inch steel bit in the horse's mouth. That's all it takes. Or takes ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So big horse, big boat are steered by, relative to their size, very small instruments. And that those bits or that rudder can steer that horse or that boat in the right direction or the wrong direction. And likewise, our tongues can steer us and others in the right direction or in the wrong direction. There are many celebrities, I don't have to say their names, you know who I'm talking about, who had massive, massive careers. And it all came crashing down, not because of something they did, but because of something they said. It goes on to say, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Isn't that strong language? Like that hell would use this. Remember in Matthew 16 when Jesus, he's predicting his death, and Peter rebukes Jesus, and he says, Never, this shall never happen to you, Lord. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Now, he's not calling Peter Satan. Peter was one of his best friends, if not his very best friend. He's saying, in this moment, you're letting hell have control of your tongue. You're not thinking about what God wants. You're thinking about what you want, Pete. Get behind me, Satan. That Satan can use this if we'll allow him access. It continues, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. We have figured out how to, how to tame Shamu, an 8,000-pound female killer whale, but we can't tame this little pink flesh thing in our mouths. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Now, James says that we, we praise God on Sunday, and then we curse humans on Monday. Anybody been there? Um. So this happens to me about every time I get on 290. <laughs> I live out in Driven Springs, and there are too many people where that little of a road. 
And, uh, and this wasn't that long ago, unfortunately. I wish it was much longer ago. But I was, I was coming into work. I had spent some time in prayer. I had read my word that morning. I was feeling it. I was listening to the, like old school Hillsong United. Shout to the Lord, all the earth let us sing. And I was just, I was in it, man. And then this little car, you know what I'm talking about? This little car. And he like cut in front of me. And like I had to break. Didn't he cut in front of another person? Right? And I'm like, shout to the Lord, just shouting at him. What are you doing? Ah, I can ram you right now. Put you in the bar ditch. I got a big truck. He had a little car. I, I, I'm going to win. Just wait alone. I'm going to be. So I get behind him. I'm going to stop. There's so many traffic lights. Get behind him with the traffic light. And I'm like this. I'm not even saying anything. I'm just trying to get his attention. Like, what are you doing? And so then we get to another light and I pull up right beside him. And I'm like looking at him like. Going to give him one of those, like, what are you thinking? Man, I was like, it's going to be somebody from the church. I just know it. <laughs> I just knew it would be one of you. I'd be like. No, oh. we do. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Your words, whether spoken, coming on text through thumbs, typed out in an email, your words matter. Experts say that we say about 5,000 words per day. And the Bible says in Matthew 12, 36, that we're going to have to give an account for every idle word. Every one of them. What are you talking about, Reed? Well, in other words, there's going to be a day when you stand before God and your determination of getting into heaven is not based on what you said. It's based on what you believed about Jesus while you were on this earth. Now, let me just take, digress just a minute because I've got to tell you the best news I've ever heard in my life. Everybody in the room has sinned. Everybody, myself included, chief among you. We, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because we sin, we're separated from God. It's not that he doesn't love us. He just can't be in fellowship with us because he's holy and we're sinful. It's kind of like a woman who's getting married and on her wedding day, she's got her wedding dress on and her little brother has been playing in the mud, comes in and he says, sissy, and he wants a big hug. And she's like, no, 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 baby, baby, baby. It's not that she doesn't love him. It's not that she doesn't want to hug him. I just can't be in fellowship with you right now. You've got to get cleaned up. In the same way, God's like, it's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't want to be in fellowship with you. You just got to get cleaned up first. And this sin problem, the penalty, the wages of sin, Scripture says in Romans 6, is death. That's the penalty. That's the check that's been, that's been written to you. And you got to cash that somehow. I, I, what, I got death. Yeah, hell. I've had people say, well, if God is love, why would he allow people to go to hell? I'm like, no, no, no. You've got it backwards. Hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is a place where you pay for your own sins. It's because God is love and rich in mercy. He makes us alive in Christ. He goes, I'm going to give you another alternative. Because I should give you what your sins deserve, which is death and hell. But I'm going to give my son Jesus your death. I'm going to let him pay that penalty on your behalf. So 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Jesus who had no sin to become our sin. And he died for that sin. So that in him, the verse concludes, in a relationship with Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So when God sees me in that day of judgment, he goes, we're good. 
I don't see your sin. I see my son in you. I see the righteousness of Jesus in you because he died for us. Isn't that awesome news? So if you believe that, you're in. You're in heaven. But once you're in, the Bible says the way we live our lives after we commit them to him determines how we will be rewarded. The Bible talks a lot about rewards, and we don't talk about it enough probably from this platform, but it talks a lot about rewards. In fact, one of the last things Jesus says in Revelation 22, in in verse 12, he says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. So we're going to have a conversation with Jesus, and he's going to say, Hey, I don't know what the conversation looks like, but part of it is I gave you this tool. What'd you do with it? Let's pull up some text messages, Reed. What'd you say, what'd you say this for? Why'd you say this to your sister? I was just kidding. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Why'd you say this? Not in a condemning way or a harsh way, but a like, I gave you this gift. Did you use it for my glory or what did you use it for? All right, let's look at your Instagram account. Why'd you say this? What about Snapchat? Oh, I thought that was deleted. No, it's in the cloud. <laughs> Dang! <laughs> Every idle word. Eugene Peterson, who's now in heaven, uh, gave us an amazing gift before he left. The body of Christ has an amazing gift called the Message Bible. If you have a tough time reading your Bible, go grab a Message Bible. It reads much more like a novel written in 2019. It's phenomenal. It's really, really good. Uh, but in his book... Uh, in this verse, Matthew 12, 36, he says it this way. Every one of these careless words are going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. That's intense. My whole sermon in one sentence. If Jesus is Lord of your life, he should be Lord of your lips too. If he's Lord of your life, he should be Lord of your lips too. Y'all, y'all aren't, I don't see any cell phones up. Y'all need to take a picture of that. Be tweeting that junk out. Oh, that's good, Reed. That's good. I'll wait for you. Come on. I'm just teasing. If, if he's Lord of your life, he should be Lord of your lips. So we, should, we should, it should be here, not just here. We, we need to have this, this thought. I, I, I got to have him Lord here. A couple of things you need to remember about the words that we have. Number one, your words impact others. They just do. I know that's kind of elementary. That's what you'd expect, but they they impact others. I need to remind you of that today. I picked out four. I could have used 40, but I picked out four verses that I feel like really speak into the impact of our words on others. Probably my favorite verse is Ephesians 4.29, which says, do not let any, none, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He says, make sure that what you're saying is not tearing people down, it's building people up. I've never met anybody that said, quit being kind to me. I've had it up to here with your encouragement. I've never met that person. We love to be encouraged, right? right. Encouragement is food for the soul, but there are people in your world that are, that are walking around starving. Encourage, encourage, encourage. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's pretty cool. I don't need any medicine. I just come in and I bring healing with this thing right here. I just speak into your life. I just heal you with my words. Whoever made up the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, was a fool. 
You know that to be true. I'd much rather be hit by a stick than have a, a word lodged at me. Right? Research has shown that our brains and our bodies respond in the exact same way to verbal abuse and physical harm. Both leave scars, but as I said, I'd much rather have a stone thrown at me because that scar will heal over time. 20 years ago, when I came to the University of Texas to go to, to college, I was a journalism major, and I didn't know that I was going to be in ministry. I, I thought I would be in some sort of ministry, just not pastoral ministry. I thought I'd be in media or something. And I came here, and I made a relationship with a guy named Steve. Steve was brilliant. Steve was uh, a really good graphic designer. He was a very good web designer. Um, I, was, I was good at writing stories. That's what my degree was in. And so we came up with the magazine idea that I still believe in. Uh, there's nothing like it anywhere in the world. And so we came up with this prototype. He did all the graphics. He did all the web stuff. I did all the content. It was really good. We were 50-50 partners in this thing, and we thought this is going to be our make it moment, right? And we were really excited about this, this magazine. So get everything done. He sends me an email. I tried to find the email, but, but it's been so long, I don't even have that email account anymore. But it said something like, he just said some things about the magazine. And then he said something like, you're going to be working for me one day. I'm going to be your employer. Something like that. And it really offended me. Because I'm like, this wasn't even your idea, man. And so I went over to his apartment. I banged on his door. He answered the door. And I just laced into poor Steve. I mean, I just hit him. I'm like, how could you say that? And I just, I mean, I just let him have it. And I mean, for 90 seconds, I just berated him the way he berated me on email. And he stood there like this. And when I got done speaking, he goes, Reed, that was a joke. It's called sarcasm. You, you can't read sarcasm in an email. You can't hear tone in an email. And I immediately... It's just like, <laughs> right? I'm so sorry, Steve. I'm so sorry. I just, I haven't spoken to Steve since that day. Our friendship ended. Our business deal ended. The magazine, everything ended. Why? So I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers at you today. I'm pointing 10 fingers back at me because this is an issue that I have. I've gotten a lot better in the last 20 years, but it's something I'm still working on. We, if he's the Lord of our lives, he's got to be the Lord of our lips. We can't just say things. And you know this. You've had a, some of you have had a word lodged onto your life years ago by a parent, a coach, a mentor, a teacher. And that has stuck with you for years. Words have power. Words have impact. I'll prove it to you. Hey, read. This is my daughter, Jill. She's shy. As Jill cowers behind her mother's legs because she's heard that modifier thousands of times. And that's who she is. It's shaped who she is now. Read, this is my son, Carlos. He's a wild child. As Carlos lets out a demonic laugh and sets an oak tree on fire. <laughs> Our words shape people. They shape people. We got to be very careful with our words, especially the words that we're saying to our spouse and kids. And listen, the opposite of that is true too. We can shape people positively. This church, let me just say, is the most encouraging church on planet earth. No doubt. I haven't even visited all the churches. There's not another one like this one. I promise you. Um, but there's two people, and there's a lot of encouragers. I, I love so many of you. But there are two people that just have a way with their words. And they, excuse me, encourage me in a way 
like nobody else, and that is, that is Charles Larkham and Doug Ahart. And Doug's not here. He's flying on a plane, but he's going to listen to this podcast, and I thank you, Doug. Uh, but those two men, man, they come up to me, and they just, oh, that was the best sermon I've ever heard. Well, you said that last time. Say it again. Right? It just, it makes me feel so good. Man, they just, and I know they said it to all the pastors, but it just, it just, it, and so literally, as I'm writing the sermon this week, I'm like, I want to do good for Charles. Like, I know it's, it's all about Jesus, but like, your words have shaped me. And Doug's words have shaped me. So your words, your words can influence other people and shape them in a very positive way as well. If I secretly put a recording device in your home, and I recorded everything that was said in your home this last week, and then I transcribed it all, and I put it in a positive column or a negative column, which would weigh more? My guess is for most of us, it's the negative column. We're always negative. Negative, negative. It's always negative. Oh, you're so lazy. Why don't you help with anything around the house? Get your boots off the coffee table. Get the cat out of the microwave. We're always just negative. We're negative people. Raise your hand if you would rather be around positive people than negative people. Raise your hand. Look at the hands. Listen, listen, listen. If you're always negative, you're conditioning other people to not want to be around you. Because you just saw the hands. Everybody wants positive people. So if you're always negative, people are going to stop coming and hanging around you. Why? I don't have any friends. Yeah. <laughs> That's on you, right? Just be positive. People love positivity. Uh, I, I've seen this in, in counseling. Um, it's, it's happened a few times where uh, somebody will come in, it's a couple, and they say, you know, my husband, uh, he's working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. That's wrong. But I start digging a little bit into the counseling, and I find out, though, there's sin on both sides because you're a nagging wife. And he comes home, and all he hears is, and I'm like, listen, it's not that he wants to work 60 hours a week. He just doesn't want to be around you. <laughs> and then I always say, I love you, right? Guess that makes it a little better. I love you. Right? I mean, if you're just a little, like, I just want to be at the office because there's more peace here. <laughs> right? We've got to be positive. We've got to be encouragers. We've, I don't, just learn it. If, if, start small. Hey, man, you're breathing today. Good job. Like, whatever you got, just start. <laughs> Some of you need to develop that language. You, you've heard of Rosetta Stone? Rosetta Stone to, to learn a different language. Some of you need Rosetta Stone for, for encouragement. Just learn that language of I want to be an encourager. I want to affirm people. And don't expect encouragement back and then you won't be disappointed. Mm, that was good. I'm going to say that again. I didn't say that in the other service. Don't expect uh, encouragement back and you won't be disappointed. If you encourage, 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 and you don't get it back, it's okay. Just don't expect it back. And then when you get it, it's like, oh, thanks. But if you don't get it, you're not like, well, I'm going to stop encouraging you. <laughs> Let me go a step deeper and say that encourage people beyond their performance. So many of us grew up in, in performance-based environments where there was shame or happiness dependent upon how I did on the field or in the classroom. And that's not great. I coached my son Zach's uh, basketball team this year. We got second. What, what? And, uh, <laughs> and there were games he did really well. And there were games he did not do very well. And if I say good game after the good games, then what do I say when he has a bad game? I don't want to lie to him. And if I'm always, you know, praising him on the performance, then he's going to feel like a complete failure on that Saturday. So you know what I say after every game? I love to watch you play. I'm proud to be your daddy. 
and his countenance lights up and he puts a big smile on his face, so win or lose, I, I just want to encourage him, encourage him, not based on performance. Jesus said it this way in Luke 6, 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus is saying the words coming out of your mouth are formed from the condition of your heart. So if your words are not good, it's because your heart is not good. You need to spend some time in prayer, spend some time in the word of God, reflect. God, you've got to help me get this mess out of me, out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. Colossians 4, 6, I love this. This is the Passion Translation. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace. Isn't that beautiful? Just like, and grace is this unmerited favor. Grace is something someone doesn't deserve. So let the way you speak, drench them with something they don't deserve. Even if they're mean to you, drench them with grace. Just drench them with grace. And then it goes on to say, tempered with truth and clarity. Because I do believe there is a time where you need to have difficult conversations. I'm not saying avoid difficult conversations or avoid conflict. Just find a way to say those things. Hey, when you said that to me, it really hurt my feelings. That's okay to say. Or hey, as your friend, I love you and I think you're getting into something that's not good for you. Paul says in Ephesians 4.15 to speak the truth in love. You can have those difficult conversations, just do so in a way that is loving. Your words impact others. That's number one. Number two, your words impact you. i got to hurry. Your words impact you more than you know. It's not just your spouse. It's not just your children. It's not just your coworkers who are going to suffer. It's not just the people on the receiving end of those harsh comments or critical tweets. Everything that you say is changing. It's impacting you in the process as well. Well, how could you say that? Well, think about it. You speak more to you than you speak to anybody else. You're always speaking to you. You ever have a confidence committee that meets in your head? Anybody else got one of those? They get in their little chairs around their little table. I've got one in my head called past experience. He loves to raise his hand. Hey, I got it. I got something. Hey, Reed, <laughs> you think you're going to go to Snyder and lead a church? Remember the last time that happened? How'd that turn out? <laughs> He's got like a PowerPoint presentation with slides of all my past failures. <laughs> Never mind that God has called me to do this, and this might be the time that it actually works. But what happens is, is we get so tired of taking our own ideas because all of them come with an invoice. You know what I'm talking about? And so you, you got to start speaking in your mind. Probably three and a half years ago, I was working here. I remember the moment. Uh, where I had to, I had to get in my head because this kind of goes back to what pastor Brad was teaching on last week, where what I was thinking was what I was saying. And I had to change the way I was, my stinking thinking to get my words right. And so I was in my closet praying. I don't normally pray in my closet, but that day I was in my closet and I was praying. And I remember, I remember where I was, remember what what everything looked like. And in that moment, I said to God in that moment, I said, okay, what am I doing? And I fired myself as my critic, and then I immediately rehired myself as my personal coach. Because I'd much rather have a coach than a critic, amen? We we have critics in our lives, and critics aren't good for anything. They just sit there on the sidelines and say, bad job. That's all they do. They don't have any skin in the game. They just pass on judgment on what just happened. But a coach, you know what a coach is. Come on. You can do it, man. You got this. You got the training for this. You got the calling for this. God's going to equip those as he called. Come on, Reed, you can do this. And then I play I, the tiger by survivor, and I feel a whole lot better about my life. It's the eye of the tiger. This man right here. There's a reason that Mike Barber calls him coach, because he's a coach. Every day comes in. Hey, son, how you doing? 
He just, he's a lifter, man. I need that for me. I, I need to do that for me. I need to lift myself as much as I'm lifting others. And you need to do the same thing. Encourage yourself. Your words impact you. Your words impact your circumstances. In fact, Matthew 17, 20 says that Jesus said it this way. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. He didn't say think about the mountain. He said say to the mountain, move. On Wednesday nights, we've had this series called... um, Sermons I want to preach. Pastor's been doing this series. It's been fun uh, in March. And uh, every week he's got show and tell. And so we had John Garza come up the first week and he had terminal cancer, completely healed. Terminal cancer, healed. Second week, Margarita White had a split aorta of the heart, was given less than 10% chance to live multiple times. She's completely healed. Completely healed. Third week, the Martinez baby, who was declared dead in the womb of the mother, we prayed right over here, and, and, and we prayed for this baby. The baby is alive and well. It's a toddler now, doing fantastic, completely healed. Crazy. That's happened not in Rwanda or Uganda. It's happened right here in this church with people that we know. So all these things were happening, and he's just bringing all these people every week. He's got somebody else. I firmly believe the reason all three of them got their healing is because they said to their mountain, move from here to there. They spoke it. They spoke it first. They said, get out of here. I'm claiming God. He that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. I mean, just, they just claim it out of them, right? And it moved. Your words have power. They impact you. You say, okay, Pastor Reed, I'm on. I'm on your team. What do I do now? What's my next step? Three steps and I'm done. Number one, I want you to pause. I like awkward silence. It's good. Gives you time to reflect. Just pause. Just just pause. We're so reactionary in our communication. Had I paused, I might still have a friend in Steve. But instead, I got an email giving me his two cents. I'm going to give you my two cents. Lost a friendship. Pause. James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen. Slow. Slow to become angry. Pausing will help that last one too. Wait, before I get upset about this email, let me make sure and clarify, what did you mean by that? What did you mean by this text? By the way, do not communicate difficult issues through text and email. Can I just say that? Is that okay to say? Is that good marriage counseling? Stop doing that because you can't read tone in texts. Pause. The second thing is ponder. Ponder. Should I even say this? I ask myself two questions. Does this need to be said? And sometimes the answer is no. Then it's just easy. I move on. I don't need to say this. And sometimes it's, it's yes. So, you know, is, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? Is it kind? I ask those kind of questions. And then I say the second question is, does it need to be said right now? Because sometimes I need to say something. I just don't need to say it right now. I'll give you an example. My wife, who's here, and I love you so much. She's my greatest support system on the whole planet. Love you. I shouldn't have looked at her. Um, She's an amazing cook. Look at me, okay? She's an amazing cook. But a couple of months ago, she she made a meal. And uh, I love you. 
And um, she likes to just experiment sometimes because she's, she's a healthy eater and she's trying to make me a healthy eater and kale tastes gross, y'all, okay? So you can hide it in there. I taste the kale. I don't want no kale. I need some Velveeta cheese. You know what I'm saying? I don't need... <laughs> and so she, she worked for an hour on this meal and I'm eating it. And the first bite, I'm like... But I just ate it. I cleaned my plate like a good boy. I didn't say a word. Does it need to be said? Yes. She needs to know that I don't want this in the rotation. Okay, don't be making this every week. Because she loved it. She's like, isn't this good? Like, (laughs) you know. Much later into the night, we're cuddling on the couch. And I said, hey, thank you so much for cooking. I said, you're welcome. For the record... Not my favorite because you didn't like it. No, I didn't like it at all. And she received that so well. But imagine if I had said that in the moment after she sat down, after working for an hour, I said, gross, right? That's not going to fly. You know this principle. When you were growing up and you needed 20 bucks from dad, you would go in the room and the Cowboys just lost. You're like, I'm not going to ask him right now, right? You know that. But if the Cowboys won, you're like, hey, dad, can I have 40 bucks? Right? <laughs> you know this. So ponder, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said right now? And the last one is just to pray. How do you control your lips? Just pray. God, you got to help me. I don't even know what to say. I'm going into a job interview. I'm going into a counseling. I'm going in to have a difficult conversation with my parent, my peer, my spouse. I, I need you. Luke 12, 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Every single time I take this stage, every single time I pray that prayer down there, every single time I say, God, not my words, but your words through me. If there's something on my notes that you don't want me to say, just delete it. If there's something you want me to add, you just put it on my brain. I just, I need you to speak through me. Just pray, God, help me, help me. And watch, you'll, you'll start to get control of this. In fact, let's pray together now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for everybody in the room today. This is such a difficult one in this world war me. Because it's just easy to just say whatever comes to our minds. And, and, and we get ourselves in a lot of trouble sometimes. People have been fired. People have been in fights. Some might have been divorced because of their language and the choices with their, with their mouth. God, redeem that. Redeem it. God, your word says in Galatians 6 that the fruit of the Spirit, part of the fruit is, is self-control. We need a, a triple portion, quadruple portion of self-control today. Help us to, to pause, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If we don't say it, we won't get in trouble. God, just help us to pause sometimes, to ponder to ponder is this something I should even say and if I should say it when's the appropriate time to say it and then if all else fails just to come to you in prayer God we need you to guide our lips we want you to be the Lord of our lips not just the Lord of our lives and we ask this in Jesus name amen Amen. I know it's time to dismiss but if you give me two more minutes I've got one thing that's so important it's the most important thing I could ever do here I gave you a moment ago the best news I've ever heard in my life that Jesus came to die for our sins. I don't know anybody else that's lining up to do that. I don't have anybody at my front door going, I'd like to pay for your sins, Reed. He did. And if we give our lives to him, everything changes for us. We get a better life on earth. John 10, 10 is what that says. And we get abundant life in heaven. John 3 is what that says. Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, 
I've got a moving truck that's going to pull up to my house and load all of our stuff and moving us to Snyder, Texas. And I hope that you'll come visit me in Snyder. If you're ever in that area, it's Lubbock, Midland, Abilene, San Angelo, West Texas. Don't speed. You will get a ticket there. They're famous for that. But the beautiful thing is, you don't have to pack any boxes. You don't have to call and switch addresses with any companies. Today, you make a decision to follow Jesus and you change your eternal address to heaven. Today. Like, when you leave here, you're a different person. You got a change of address form right here in this opportunity by giving your life to, to Jesus, the one who gave his life for you. So here's what I love to do. I love for every head to bow and every eye to close, even if this is not, if you're brand new here, you don't know anything about this, just take a little nap for a second, okay? But there are some people that God is speaking to in this moment that he wants to change their address. He wants to change their life. And you say, Reed, if, if I'm honest with myself, I don't know if I would go to heaven. I'm pretty sure that I'm paying for my own sins as it stands right now, that I have never given my life to Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for me. And I want to do that today. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. And that's going to seal the deal. But I need to know who I'm praying for. So if that is you and you would like to accept and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior today, I'd love for you to slip your hand up just so I know who I'm praying for. All over the room. It's awesome. 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 Praise God. Even in the balcony, lots of hands. All right. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So I want you to pray this with me. You can pray it. You can whisper it to yourself. You can say it out loud. It doesn't matter. Just mean it is the real key thing. Say something like, Lord Jesus, I believe you came to earth to die for me, for my sins. I believe you were buried. I believe that you rose again and that you beat death and you beat hell. And you're giving me the power to do the same by putting my faith in you. Come into my life. Help me. Lead me. Be the Lord of it. I'm so thankful that there is no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Thank you for forgiving all my sins, past, present, and even the ones I've yet to commit. I love you, Jesus. Just tell him, I love you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for all those who just made that decision today? Come on.